Welcome to a life well lived. Grow, preserve, and transfer your wealth with Ken Olette, CPM Certified Portfolio Manager and Founder of Orca Wealth Management. In this podcast, he will provide some clarity in setting goals needed to build, preserve, and transfer wealth and overcome some of life's financial obstacles. Ken provides actionable steps to help you plan through your financial ups and downs in a way everyone can understand. Join us on this journey where Ken will explore many financial avenues, drawing from his three decades of experience in helping others avoid risking a lifetime's worth of work and savings by not having a plan and a strategy in place. Now, on to the show. Hello and welcome to A Life Well Lived with Ken Olette. Ken, how are you? Well, not well. It's 46 degrees this morning and very, very cold for Florida. Kind of makes me miserable. I told my wife this morning that, you know, maybe we, we need to go further south. And she said, we're kind of running out of real estate. So, <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know how much sympathy I've got for you. <laughs> I have ice ice on the ground, Ken. Uh, <laughs> for months on end in yeah, Omaha. Yeah. Well, yeah, exactly. In Omaha, it's you know, I woke up and, and I'm always asking Alexa, Alexa, what's the temperature outside? Currently, it's four degrees. Oh, come on. Really? Not even double digits? <laughs> Anyway, all right. Anytime you want to swap for, you know, just a, a week, you let me know. And nope. then, then it gives you that appreciation for where you're at. <laughs> no, I think we're back to 80 on uh, on Friday. Oh, so. Okay. Let's stop talking about weather. Let's <laughs> let's talk about what we came here for. You're just depressing me. Okay. So today you, you wanted to talk about diversification, right? Yeah, yeah. I think, you know, I can't think of a more important topic. I mean, particularly nowadays with, with what's been going on. And yeah, I, I talk to a lot of my clients and that's kind of what, what, what they want to talk about. Yeah. And and here's the thing. What I've noticed is that people that work with an advisor love to talk about diversification because they know the power of it. People that Mm -hmm. don't work with advisors are like, oh, how boring can you get? What (laughs) what is diversification? But that's because they truly don't know. They've never worked with somebody who explained it and, and helped them to understand what true diversification is and how powerful it can be. And that's exactly what we're doing today. So I'm really excited to get into this with you. So let's let's start with a general definition. What is diversification? Well, it's funny that you mentioned that it, you know, people think that diversification is so boring because you know, I've learned, one thing I've learned over the years in this business is the things that are the most boring that you never talk about at a cocktail party turn out to be the most exciting long term. Yeah. Right. Yeah. They make the, the move the dial the, the most. Yeah. So what is diversification? Well, you know, we, we want to separate kind of diversification from asset allocation because a lot of times people mm. get that confused. You know me, I, I love simple definitions for a technical explanation. And the simplest definition that I can make for diversification is you're going to own something and in a basket of somethings and you're not ever going to make a killing, but you're never going to get killed. Mm. And that to me, it, it means that you're just, you're not going to go all in on red. All right. Or, mm-hmm. or you're going to make a big bet because that's speculating and not investing. So diversification means that you're just going to have, well, anyway, Mark Twain said it the best, right? He said, if you know, if you have more than one egg and if you don't have more than one egg in that basket, you better, you better watch that basket. So mm-hmm. we want to make that basket fairly large with different asset classes and also different sub classes in those asset classes, mm-hmm. if that, if that makes any sense. It does. It absolutely does. So let me ask you this. What would you consider those asset classes? I mean, I, I don't want to jump the gun here, but w- when people think of asset classes, a lot of people are thinking right away of stocks. 
and then yes, you know, oh, yeah. well, I've got technology, or I've got I've got you know healthcare, or or whatever. But I think it's even a broader topic than that. Yeah, yeah, and you can you know we can take a scalpel to it, and you can say that people will think, well, I'm diversified. I have stocks, I have bonds, I have some cash, and you know I have some real estate. But the reality is is that are you truly diversified within your stock holdings, mm-hmm. right? So you may, just as you alluded to, may have your stock portion and it may have an overabundance of growth in there versus value. Mm-hmm. And that's a whole d- different podcast of, of defining growth versus value. But for our listeners, in, in this th- this case, we want to look at the fact that growth is stocks that typically are high-growing have a, a higher potential to, to make earnings, things of that nature. You think of technology stocks oftentimes, things of that nature. And value stocks would be your kind of your stodgy stocks that you think of the J&Js and the, uh, of the world, the Johnson & Johnsons and things of that nature that perhaps pay a dividend. Or you also in the stock selection criteria, you have domestic stocks, you have global positions, and then you have foreign stocks and then emerging markets. And so all of these are subclasses of that asset class. And we find Oftentimes, and without error, when I have somebody come in, 99% of the time, they are under-diversified when it comes to equities, for sure. And bonds as well. Mm. We can go into bonds for sure. There's That's a whole different, but you want to have subclasses of bonds as well. Yeah. I think, looking back, I think the, really the first time that I heard about diversification or, or diversifying was really around 2001. 2002 mm-hmm. era, oh, right? Yes. The, the, the dot-com bubble or the tech bubble because people were absolutely making a killing in technology, in the dot-com boom, and then it all came crashing down. And people that you know were all in, well, they took a beating and it, and it was bad. And I think that's the first time I ever heard about that. So that's a, a good life lesson. Luckily, I didn't suffer from that because I didn't have any money. <laughs> but, well, you know, yeah, your point is so well taken because that if we can look at case studies and that's mm-hmm. what we're really when when we're investing individuals monies, we want to look at what has history provided us in terms of learning lessons, forward guidance, what were people taught? Because people typically don't learn from the past experiences because they're in the past. And your point to the 90s and 2001, are it was one of the best te- test cases ever of diversification. So that was one of the more frustrating periods of my career because mm. in the late 90s, I couldn't get my head wrapped around the valuations on these stocks, much like it is now in, in certain instances. And so, you know, we were doing well. Everybody's neighbor was doing 40 and 45% because they were all in these dot-com stocks. Yeah. And what people don't realize, and what we're kind of going through that now is that the NASDAQ, it wiped out about $5 trillion in, in investor equity when it fell. And Holy some of those cow. stocks, yeah, it, it is mind-blowing. If you look at some of the data, most stocks went down 79 to 90% oh, in the NASDAQ average. And so it took well over a decade. We're just now getting the NASDAQ back to where it was in the highs back from 2001. And those are folks that if they were diversified, they, they didn't feel that pain. That pain was was not near as as painful as it was in 2001 to 2003. Yeah. Yep. 
I, I, I didn't, I have not heard those numbers before. You said trillions with a T. I just, I, yeah, that just, yeah. I mean, we, we talk about that today because of, you know, the national debt, right? I think we just passed 30 trillion in debt in the last week mm-hmm. or two, but I never knew that that the dot-com bubble was that, that damaging. That That's crazy. So when it comes to diversification, it's, it's a long-term strategy, right? For sure. Okay. So let's talk about that. How do you ride those times when it's, you know, when you've got, I mean, because in 01, we're talking about the tech bubble, but in 07, 08, we're talking real estate, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we don't know, we don't know what's going to happen. And anybody that tells you they do know what's going to happen is, is basically lying to you, right? Because, <laughs> it, yeah. it, it, you know, in, in 2000, that, you know, that case study period, of 2001 to 2003, probably the next best one was 2007 uh, to 2009, right? And so these are all these black swan events that happen that nobody uh, thinks is going to occur, nobody foresees, nobody predicts. It just happens, and it happens all the time. And so then they did a collection of it. They looked at economists, mm-hmm. and you know, there's an old saying that um, astrology makes economists look good. So in the, this gives color to that profession a little bit because right. they're, they're, lo- they're wrong a lot of the time. And in 2007, they pulled all of the economists. And I think out of 102, 101 got it so wrong, they had the GDP or the gross domestic product in the U.S. for the forecast for next year growing between 4 and 5%. Mm-hmm. It actually fell four percent. There was only one analyst that had it on the negative side, and it was a Goldman Sachs analyst. Mm. So you had one hundred and one out of hundred and two of the brightest minds, you know, Princeton, Harvard-educated guys that got it dead wrong. So that's why it, forecasting this stuff is very, very difficult, and it's almost impossible. And it is, as we've shown, impossible. Yeah, um, because of these black swan events, because of. You know, things like the real estate correction, the oil bust and boom, the, the dot-com boom, you know, shocks around the world, wars, you know, it's just, it, they're unpredictable and unknowable. Yeah, yeah. All right, so let's jump back on long-term benefits, right, mm-hmm. with, with diversification. Tell me a little bit about that. I mean, because if you're working throughout those years, let's say, and well, geez, I guess I'm my, my age is about right. Let's call somebody 50, a little, little older yep. than me. They lived through that dot com. They probably had some money invested, maybe not a lot because they were younger in their early 20s, mid 20s. But then they went through that. They went through mm-hmm. 0809, right? With investments mm-hmm. and things. They went through, you know, other things I'm, I can't even remember. But then COVID hit when, you know, and that took it down very quickly, but bounced back very quickly. So talk about how that looks in a portfolio when you're really diversified and how that can help for the long term because they're not ready to retire yet you know they've got you know 10 15 years before they retire but they've lived through these events yeah i was just having a conversation with a client the other day that's just about to retire and called me and he said you know listen my 401k we've got about another year before i retire i'm thinking about going to cash in my 401k and and i looked at him kind of puzzled i said well you're going to go to cash for then what happens the day after you retire? Your spending doesn't stop. Your life doesn't stop. Your mm-hmm. portfolio still has to provide for 30 years. So you're making an arbitrary short-term decision over the, over the long, over based off a long-term strategy. So, yeah. and diversification really is it's basically looking at the long-term and, and, and taking you out of the short-term irrecoverable losses. That's what we're really after. So some people, look at things over the short term 
Um, and we want to look at things, stretch out the accordion a bit and look at it longer term and to see, to take out those short term irrecoverable losses. That's what we're trying to remove from all the scenarios. Mm-hmm. And that's what diversification does. It is the best tool to get rid of those short term irrecoverable losses like those folks that had were, were over a preponderance of stocks in the late 90s in internet and growth stocks that most of those cases were when you lose 80 or 90 percent it's probably um you're irrecoverable yeah yeah you've changed your plans and and that's what we don't want to happen yeah i mean that's that's living off ramen man (laughs) yeah (laughs) Yeah. you know and you may not be able to heat it up let's let's be honest you're just eating crunchy (laughs) crunchy nasty ramen anyway okay so you're the expert tell me how to diversify tell the audience how to diversify the, the best way to do that all right, so you know, I'll give you an example of a client that had the means to be able to speculate mm-hmm. against my better judgment and liked to be able to put big bets on positions. Mm. And and this is the case where the client got it right once and he was non-diversified and he got it right. Yeah. And that was forever the curse because they're always chasing getting it yeah. right again. Yeah. Sometimes that can be, it's like the lotto winner that gets it right once and, you know, they just keep on buying those tickets. Mm-hmm. And so diversification says, hey, you know, I'm like I said in the beginning, you're making a good, you're making a deal with the almighty. Listen, I'm not going to get killed, but I'm, but I'm not going to make a killing and I'm just going to hit it right down the middle of the fairway and I'm not going to try to to over overcook this. And so yeah, that's that's kind of the meat and potatoes of it. That's what we're trying to do. So so if we're, how do you diversify? Well, you never hold, in my experience, and this has been built over decades of, of doing this, I make it a rule that a client never hold more than a third of their assets in any one stock, regardless of how good that stock looks. Mm-hmm. And yeah. regardless, I want to express that, regardless of how good that stock looks. And I'll tell you why. I'll give you a couple client examples. I had one client that was about to retire, and, uh, and they had about 80% of their net worth in one stock. Great company, rich history of growing, exceeding the market value of the market. Just a great performing stock. And we sat down and I said, listen, I mean, you cannot hold that much stock because it's just, it violates the, the laws of diversification. And at some point, when you think you have the lock figured out to Wall Street, it's going to change the key. Right. And he thought about it and he thought about it. He was very reluctant to do it. And he said, listen, Ken, I'm going to go, I'm going to liquidate the entire position and we're going to rebalance and we're going to diversify the whole portfolio. That stock was at 127. Six months later, it was out of business and that stock was Shearson Lehman. All right. That's so his life would have been entirely changed. He would have been eating the ramen if it wasn't for that one decision that he made. You know, we coached him. But we give options and, and clients make decisions. So he, he made the right decision. And I'll tell you another one that, that, that's pretty telling. When This was the first year in the business, when I first got into this business. I had a client come at this point, he was a new client. And he brought in his full entire net worth of Ames Department Stores. Anybody remember Ames Department Stores out there? Do you remember Ames Department Stores? I've heard of them, but I've never been to one. Yeah, because they're out of business. So oh. <laughs> that's what well, we're going to do with the story. There you go. Yeah, yeah. I guess I missed my so chance. He, he comes into the office with all of this Ames department stores. And he says, I want to sell it. And so we put it in. Back then, you had to give it to the uh, the operations manager, and they had to search the, the stock and the QSIP and all that. It turns out that Ames department stores had went bankrupt and issued new Ames department stores. And a lot of people don't realize that 
equity positions can go bankrupt, your shares are worthless, and they can reissue and still be a going concern with a new stock. Oh, geez. so that I was didn't a, know that. that was yeah. So that's one of the issues where it didn't work out so well. We couldn't help him because he had already been non-diversified, and it just hurt him badly. Hmm. Well, and I've heard horror stories as well, and I think that, and, and you can speak to this because I, I'm sure it dips into behavioral finance a little bit, but people that, you know, they work at a company, and hmm. maybe they get stock as part of their compensation, and that's part of, you, you kind of have pride in the company you work for, right? You're proud that you work no there, you're doing good work, which that is fantastic, but you don't control the company. Right. And I remember that I remember hearing a story from I think it was my actually my uncle was telling me about one of his buddies. He was he worked for GE and mm-hmm. had just a ton of stock in GE and a lot of pride in the company, a lot of pride in the work that he did. Which, again, nothing wrong with that. But I remember, you know, I think it's from, you know, 2000 around 2000 to just a couple of years ago or a year ago, you know, GE went down like 80 some odd percent. And mm-hmm. if you're just holding that thinking, this is the company that I work for, that I loved, and I, I'm just, no, I'm, if I sell this, then I'm not a fan, or I'm, you know, I'm turning my back on the company. Oh, you got to get rid of that mindset, right? Yeah, there's, you can't have hope with equities, with stocks yeah. or companies. Yeah. You, you, it's, people need to realize that it is a store of value. It is very critical to realize that that company, those shares, are a store of value, and they're going to be worth something more or less in the future. And to your point that you make pretty good with with GE is that we have faced this with a lot of GM employees, right? Because their dad worked for GM. Mm -hmm, They worked mm -hmm. for GM. They drive a Cadillac. They're not getting rid of that GM stock. And we saw what happened to those shareholders back in the 2000s, right? In the mid-2000s. It was not pretty. And so, and this happened, you know, people will think, well, utility stocks. Well, Portland General Electric had an issue. Washington, back in the 80s, had a, had a bankruptcy. So these things, they come out of right field, and sometimes it's mismanagement, sometimes it's certain environments, it, it can be anything, but there's no reason to not mitigate that risk. And you're right, we do find that with loyalty to company when they retire from there that they want to hold those shares. And so that's a long conversation sometimes that we have to have. Yeah. All right, Ken, I mean... We've talked about a lot of positives about diversification, and I, I really don't know if I can see any negatives, but are there any negatives when it comes to diversification or any, any things that we need to be aware of? Well, I wouldn't say there's a real negative to diversification. It's the really the challenge of implement, implementation of, okay. of that, of diversification. So we oftentimes see people when they come in that they think they're fully diversified and we find to their chagrin that they are not fully diversified. They are absolutely non-diversified. And I'll give you a couple examples there. So we had a couple come in and, and nice equity portfolio, good performing portfolio. They had the, their bonds and they had a good, what I would call asset allocation. Mm-hmm. And they felt very, very comfortable in their, in the diversification. Well, as we sat down and I looked, you know, they had several different funds which they felt were diversified because they had, you know, they had their vanguards, they had their fidelities, mm-hmm, they had their mm-hmm. different, different, all the, that about 10 or 11, 12 different funds. And then I said, well, let me take back and do what's called an x-ray of these funds to find out how diversified you really are. Mm-hmm. And when we did that, what we found was out of those 10 or 11 funds, I mean, they all had the same holdings, right? <laughs> they had the same top holdings. So, oh, geez. 
essentially you were they were completely over concentrated in large cap tech okay and so that was a situation where what that's what we call overlap right so they mm-hmm. they feel like they're diversified they get this feeling they're diversified but when the market's down 20% they're down 20% and they don't understand why i thought i was diversified well you were diversified name only you had essentially the same stuff in all of those portfolios so that's one of if i would say a issue the common issue with diversification that we see it's not diversification it's, it's the implementation of that diversification so let me ask you this in that situation is did they get into all those things because somebody just sold them all those things is that a sales issue that somebody was just trying to make a buck and and put them in all these different things well unfortunately we live in a performance and so it's easier to sell a fund that's performing very very versus a fund that's maybe not doing so well but adds to that diversification bucket yeah and and so we i see that a lot that that people sell performance and so that's the other common diversification issue is that you want to rebalance your diversification every year and people don't do that right they want to buy the fund that's doing really well and they want to limit the fund that's not doing so well or the asset class that's not doing well well diversification says you know, number one, you're saying, I don't know what's the future's going to hold, mm-hmm. right? I don't, I don't have that ability. I'm not a swami. And so you're saying, since I don't know, I need to make sure that whatever happens, I'm going to do pretty well. So in a rebalanced diversification situation, you would maybe pare back some of your winning positions and add to your underperforming assets. Now, what, what is everybody trying to do Eric, when they're trying to invest, what is the, what's the old mantra for investing? Buy low, sell high. Yes, of course, that is the mantra that we should all adhere to in a perfect world. But unfortunately, in today's society, we, we sell performance. And so, you know, if we watch CNBC, or if we look at the 10 great funds to buy or these things, it's all predicated on putting your money at the higher priced assets and withdrawing from the lower stuff to buy the higher pricing. Mm, it's the I exact it. opposite of the buy buy low and sell high. We yeah. get fed the performance trap or we do the opposite. Where diversification, it forces you to do that. It forces you to buy low and sell high because you're rebalancing. That makes perfect sense. I, because honestly, if you look at it fr- through that lens, it's always a positive message. You're buying a winner and you're selling a loser, right? Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. that's not, you know, you should, it sounds like, to me like what you're saying is, hey, let's, when we're re- rebalancing, we're going to sell some of those winners because that gave us that profit and we're going to yep. invest in some of those ones that are quote unquote, I'm using air quotes on a podcast here, quote unquote <laughs> losers, but it doesn't mean that they're tanking. You know, you're not going to invest in a company, you know, we see this ship is already sinking. Well, that's not the company we're investing in. We're seeing the ship that is, it, it maybe it was down a little bit, but we know it or we hope it's going to be coming back up. And that's kind of where you reallocate is I'm, I'm, that's what I'm assuming. Right. Right. You can look at, you can look at uh, the historical performance of outperformance and underperformance and this year's winners oftentimes are next year's losers. Mm. And so we're trying to just mitigate that, right? We're trying to yeah. put a little money into this year's losers. And to your point, we're not buying falling knives here. We're not buying things <laughs> that are going out of business. You know, we're buying fundamentally sound companies and asset classes that just are not 
uh, seeing any love, right? They're yeah. just, uh, they, people are chasing that performance. And so they're not seeing fun flows. But then as soon as that, that tide changes, all of a sudden the money starts flowing into that side and you're already there. Yeah. I've got a, one of my mantras in this business and, and my clients hear it all the time is, you know, when you work with me, I've got a rule. I might be early, but I can never be late. And that's what diversification does for you. It gets you in early, but you're never, you're never late. Yeah. And that's important. Absolutely. Well, Ken, we're coming to the end of the time here and I'm sure I'm positive because now I'm kind of, I'm thinking about the same thing. I'm positive. The audience is thinking, am I truly diversified? Because, you know, I, I didn't think about the, maybe the over concentration or the overlap that, that you were talking about, or maybe mm-hmm. they're working with an advisor that did, they just have no clue if they're doing the right thing or not. Uh, and they'd like a second opinion. You do this for educational purposes, and this is a, a you know part of how you want to reach the masses with good information. If they yep. want to reach you, what's the best way to do that? Well, my, the website, obviously, orcawealth.com. You can reach me by phone, 727-938-1600, directly at my office. You know, we don't rely on voicemail, so you'll get a live person that calls in or that listens, uh, that answers the phone. And Instagram, I'm on there. I'm on uh, Twitter. I'm on LinkedIn. Uh, we post every day on mm-hmm. most of those sites, just something that, that people can, you know, give some thought to or just some thought provoking idea or something of that nature in the markets of what we're thinking about. Um, and, you know, generally, it, it just the best way is just to call me and perhaps have a conversation about what, what you're doing. Yeah. And for those listeners that did not hear the first couple podcasts, go back and listen to those because you'll get to know Ken on a deeper level and understand, you know, how he works. But that phone call or that email or that or that that meeting that you're going to have with him it doesn't cost you. He'll talk yeah. about that, that in one of the podcasts. Go back and listen to those podcasts and kind of see how his system is set up. Ken, I, I always learn something from you. I appreciate you allowing me to be a small part of this podcast and learn right alongside the audience. Thank you so much for your time and the information today. Thank you, Eric, and stay warm in Omaha. You just had to throw that in there, didn't you? (laughs) (laughs) Just turning the knife, Ken. All right. Well, thank you again. But our last thank you, of course, goes to the listening audience. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to A Life Well Lived with Ken Olette, founder of Orca Wealth Management. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This way, when Ken comes out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. This makes it really easy to share these podcasts with your friends and family. And this is a great one to share because a lot of people think they're diversified. And in, I know in the movies, we always see the people, you know, standing around with their cocktails going, oh, I'm diversified in my portfolio, blah, blah, blah. No, but really, if, if you don't know, you, you could be hurt by not knowing. So share this podcast, have a discussion, and then make the phone call to Ken. Thank you so much for listening today. For everyone at Orca Wealth Management, this is Eric Johnson reminding you to live your best day every day. And we'll see you next time. For listening to a life well lived. Grow, preserve, and transfer your wealth with Kinolet CPM. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Orca Wealth Management LLC. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning. Orca Wealth Management LLC does not provide legal or tax advice. Clients should seek the advice of a qualified attorney or accountant as necessary.